Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's time for the Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast, and I'm just checking it on you. What's going on, everybody? Old Freckles has a busy week. I'm recording this on Wednesday. So all you Laker fans out there, if you think I'm skirting the issue that you won number 17, if you did, congratulations. If you didn't, go Miami. That's all I can say. (laughs) In this new NBA of the last, I don't know, 20-something years. Whatever, I'm just a grumpy old man. You know, I was I was actually thinking about all of this crap where people just, well, that's how the game is played nowadays. Oh, yeah? The 10 best people all pile on fucking two teams. It's the most boring shit. It's not, it's not as bad as I'm making it out to be, but I will say this in defense of myself. Remember that, that Olympic dream team that everybody oh, still blows to this day, right? The Jordan-led dream team. That was the most boring basketball I've ever seen in my life. Other than the clip of when Jordan's team was playing Magic Johnson's team during practice, that was the dream, the dream game. But watching, you know, fucking guys, all of those guys playing against Ethiopia and winning by 126 points, it was like watching the jocks play the math team. You know, I don't want to watch Vince Carter jump over some fucking nerd. (laughs) I mean, how long can you walk? I don't know. I'm not into that shit. So, but that is how the game is played and the Boston Celtics play it too. So it's all fair, right? We bought one in 2008. They're better at buying one. So good on them if they want. If they didn't, uh, go Miami. That's all I can say. All right. Plowing ahead here. Um, The real thing that I want to talk about is uh, the passing of Eddie Van Halen. The just, I don't know. There's no words. I don't know what to say. I really don't, but I'm going to try here. Um, I always remember when I was in high school um, and some of the teachers I had who were teenagers when the Beatles came out. And, uh, you know, even if you told them, yeah, you know, I like the Beatles and everything. It's like, no, no, you don't get it. There's no way... To you had to be there to understand what it was like when they came out, how exciting it was when their next record came out, and how much they changed pop music and all of that type of stuff. And 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 that is a really true statement because the longer time goes by, when the Giants come through, you know since their debut, the more people take from what they did and it waters down, um, you know, the impact of what they had initially. Because I will tell you this, obviously I'm not old enough for the Beatles, but I, I will tell you that the first time I heard Van Halen won their first album, um, there was a family down the street, like we were all into ACDC, but there was a family down the street from us that were into, it was two of them, well, kind of like our family, big families, five boys, and then there was another one that had like three, four boys and a bunch of uh, sisters and stuff, just big families. And so the brothers were a little bit older, so they were hip to the music that was coming out because I was still like in like, I don't know, third, fourth grade. But the first time I heard that fucking album, it was like, it was like nothing I had ever heard before in my life. It was, I was telling Dean Del Rey, it was like the record was like, I I was surprised the record wasn't on fire. It was just this sound I had never heard in my life. It made the hair on my arm just stand up. And what was so cool about back then, 
was there was no video. There was nothing. You just had the record and you're just staring at the record like, what is that? How does somebody make that sound? Is that more than one guitar? What is going on here? And um, I always feel like people that are that far ahead of their time, and inevitably they're just misunderstood when people then try to replicate or try to figure out what it is that they're doing. Um, and I feel like he was unbelievably like misinterpreted where people finally figured out his tapping technique and then the way they applied it, they didn't have his gift and it would just be sort of, you know, take a solo and play 9 million notes where if you listen to Eddie's, just his phrasing, the, the fucking ride the guy took you on, he had the ability to play 90 million miles an hour. But just because you can do that doesn't, if you do it all the time it, or for a, a, a too long of a time, it loses its effect. So the way he would like pull it back and then at the precise moment, just unleash that fury and then he could go in, and then take it back down again, go into like this melodic thing. It's just the fucking ride that that guy could take you on in, in two, three. I mean, eruption was like barely two minutes long all the way up to like he could write a music score six, seven minutes long. Just um, I'm so thankful that I got to see him in concert. I saw him. Uh, I missed those guys the first time around. So when they got back together with David Lee, um, uh, I got to see them with uh, Eddie's son, Wolfgang, on bass. I saw him at the Staples Center. And um, my favorite part of the show, other than that Dave was back with them, you know, uh, was there was an instrument when Eddie took his solo and it was Eddie and Alex. And I was just sitting there like, I don't know, I couldn't believe how good they st- they still work because I don't know, people just have it in your head where, you know, you get older, you know, you lose the fire or the passion or you slow down or whatever. They were fucking unbelievable. And then it finally just dawned on me that like, wait a minute, these guys have been jamming. These are brothers. They have been jamming and writing and interacting with each other musically at that point for close to 50 years. And, um, it's weird. I don't remember what they played. I just remember sitting. I was to the uh, right side of the stage up a little bit, just sitting there. My mind fucking just going. They they're still they're actually better than they were <laughs> fucking were in the 80s. So um, I don't know. It's a huge, huge loss to my generation and all that. And all young people who don't know who he is, I highly recommend starting with Van Halen one and just working your way through. Um, and uh, my condolences to, you know, obviously his whole family and, uh, you know, it just sucks, man. This whole fucking getting old thing and all that. So there goes another one. Holy shit. Last fucking 10 years. I think of some of the people that, uh, that went a lot of whom I never saw. Cause I don't know. I went to a lot of sports and metal shit. Like I saw David Lee Roth's band with Steve Vai, Greg Bissonette, and Billy Sheen, and I did see that uh, the Eatem and Smile tour. 
Um, I wish I went to more concerts, but yeah, I didn't have the fucking money. <laughs> I would have gone to more if I could have, but I'm thankful for the ones that I saw, the legends I saw. I got to see Eddie Van Halen. I got to see Malcolm Young. Um, I got to see Stevie Ray Vaughan. I mean, those are three big ones, but you know, and I, I highly recommend just, even if you didn't get to see him and whatever, when they were younger, you should go see them when they're older. If, if, cause they're still doing it. And like, you know, unless they've just completely fallen off and fucking, then it's sad. You don't want to see that shit. But like, uh, you know, I'm still kicking myself. I remember Prince came to the forum and did like fucking 20 shows and I didn't go see one of them. I was just on the road and I was wiped out and I just assumed that he was going to be around again. Um, David Bowie, I never saw all of these people. So I am just so thankful that I just got to see a guy that just turned the guitar fucking upside down. He was like, it literally was like an alien. And, um, I don't know, like I, I, to this day, I, I just feel like, uh, you know, like Alex Van Halen, I still, I'm waiting for him to get his due is how great a drummer he was. Like his brother just cast such a, an incredible shadow and just how humble Alex must be that he was cool with all of that. And he just didn't like, I got to tell you something that I was talking to my buddy the other day about, well, yesterday when this whole thing went down, when I was talking about, we were just talking about, uh, you know, Vinny and Dimebag. And then now, you know, Eddie and Alex and just that brother bond drummer and lead guitarist type of thing. And, um, we were just talking about how, you know, the drum parts Vinnie Paul came up with and the stuff that Alex Van Halen came up with. And I remember I actually got to meet and get to know Vinnie a little bit. He was such a nice guy when I did the Rich, uh, the Rich Bitch tour with the late, great Charlie Murphy, uh, Don L. Rawlings. And he came out and he just was such a nice guy, answered all of my questions. And uh, I remember... I asked him, I said, who did you listen to and everything? And he brought up Alex Van Halen. Obviously, his brother, Dime, was a huge Eddie fan, you know, obviously. So um, I imagine Vinny was too, but like that he brought up Alex Van Halen. I was like, I love this guy because like I just always feel like, you know, when you talk Van Halen, it was about Eddie's playing and Dave's frontman skills. Uh, but the song that always just blew me away was um, uh, Mean Streets. And that was yet another one when that thing came out. It was just like, what the fuck is that guitar part? What is he doing? How does he do that? I remember like like fucking seven years later, I was living in North Carolina for like a year and I was working at this restaurant and was this really cool dude. Jason was his name. Worked at this defunct fucking restaurant, the Sable Cafe in Cary, North Carolina. We worked in this. It was fucking hilarious. I get so many fucking stories about that place, man. Just the coolest, funniest, craziest fucking people. Um, I mean, it's the restaurant business. I don't care how elegant it is out in the fucking room. You got no idea what's going on in the kitchen. Uh, let's just say people were feeling good. <laughs> You know, I don't know if I ever told this fucking story. Um, all right. So part of my job was I had to fucking 
mopped the floor in the beginning. It was, in, uh, I might've told this before on the podcast, but this is just one of my favorite, just fucking random stories. I was, I actually told it yesterday to somebody. Just fresh in my head, I guess. So they had this, this oyster bar. It was one of these, these restaurants. It was like in a, in a, I don't know what Carrie's like now, but it was like a, it was an up and coming sort of suburb. And they built this five-star fucking restaurant and put all of this money into it. I mean, it was just hemorrhaging cash from, they, they needed to be sold out from day one, which is one of the toughest things to do in any business. Forget about a fucking restaurant. But that's what they did. So they had this oyster bar. Um, and it had the black and white tiles, like the, an improv or something back in the day. And so every night, every morning I would come in there and just those black and white tiles would get so fucking filthy from people spilling drinks and, and food and the dirt on the bottom of the shoes. It just looked horrible. And I would come in there and I have to pull all the chairs out and, um, I don't know. I'm a fucking lunatic. Like I, I don't, I always just had like. I got into it. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to fucking have this thing like shining. Fuck it. If I got to do this, I'm going to do it. Right. My parents taught me that. So I'm fucking doing this shit. And then I get, it was like a horse shaped shoot, uh, shaped bar. I'd start to the left and I would work my way around. And then the dreaded part, when I get to the other side, I'd kind of have to leave it. Uh, I would wait to do the, the last part um, until the end because people would come in and they would be walking into the kitchen as they were showing up to work. So I would mop up three quarters of that. And then the, the worst part is I had to go into the bathroom because now I had to go do the bathrooms and the fucking bathrooms, the shit that went on there. I, no pun intended. I will tell you the woman's bathroom. I don't even, I don't know what the fuck they did in there, but it was like they had a ticker tape parade with toilet paper and then they eliminated on it <laughs> lipstick and just, fucking it, it was literally like a bunch of rodeo clowns threw shit at each other <laughs> it was makeup and just i don't know what blood i mean it was a fucking crime scene in this so i do that one last so i go into the men's room and i'm going in there to mop up and my boss is in there and when i tell you just fucking ralphing into this, he's got the water going, and he's brushing his teeth, and he's just, <laughs> and after each time, he would continue to brush his teeth, and then for another few seconds, and then just go, in the sink, and I was, I was just literally standing in the door, trying to process what I was seeing, and then he was done, I mean, this, this whole thing went down in like fucking eight long seconds. It was like two to three massive, like, were you possessed by the devil fucking yaks into the sink while the water's running and he's brushing his teeth between each one of them, not looking at me. And then when he's done, he just turns around and he says to me, oh, yeah, you know, just sometimes I gag when I brush my teeth. <laughs> And here's how dumb I was. I fucking believed him. I, it wasn't until like, I don't know, like eight, nine, ten years later, I thought about it again. I was like, nah, he was fucking hungover. He was hungover. He either started to brush his teeth and whatever he did the night before was coming out. Or 
I don't know. I mean, am I really supposed to believe that? What, what are you jamming the whole fucking tooth? You deep throating it like a porn star? Um, I don't know. So anyway, this is a long story. It gets me back to fucking mean streets. So then I would finish that area in there and, and then the place was slowly going out of business. And as it went out of business, I've told these stories before I went from being the bus boy slash mop things up to bus boy slash mop shit up slash dishwasher slash grill chef. I ended up doing like three of the fucking jobs and they just kept bumping me up like 50 cents, 75 cents an hour. And I should have been like, well, wait a minute, you were paying me six and a quarter to do this. And you were paying that guy seven bucks to do the grill. If I'm doing both, I should not be making thirteen twenty-five an hour, right? I was just happy to get. I was so fucking bad with money. I was so fucking bad with money. I was doing three jobs. I was a busboy, a dishwasher. I was also mopping up. What the fuck am I mopping up for? That's a cleaning company. That's not my job, right? Well, maybe it is. I'll give them that one. And then the grill. I should have been getting pulling three fucking checks. They just kept giving me fucking quarters, and I was like, oh wow. I do this for another six months. I can buy a symbol, um, maybe even a Zildjian. So I got to know the Metallica dude, Jason, right? And and his brother played guitar, and they hung out. All of them were like fucking full-on metalheads, long hair, the whole fucking thing, ripped jeans, the whole 80s look. And I went over his house one day hanging out, and a bunch of them were over there playing guitar and they could really these kids could really fucking play and one of them i remember he had the bleach blonde hair and he sat down and played the beginning of mean streets and it just fucking blew my mind like how did you figure that out i i didn't that's all i was thinking i didn't want to say anything so um like most people, this is before I even started playing drums. So like most people, so I guess I wouldn't have been thinking that I would buy a cymbal. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, but whatever. But about a year later, because watching them, and then I came back to Boston area, started working in a warehouse, and I was playing, I was working with all these musicians and shit, I got into playing drums. That's how it all started. So, and then that began my first listening of Van Halen, then listening to Alex. Like the first 9,000 passes through, I was just listening to Eddie and wishing, you know, fantasizing that I was Eddie. You know, the shit. Like I was playing this in front of my fifth grade class. You know, the dumb shit you do, right? Um, and then I started playing drums. And that's when, it's so crazy, I went back and re-listened to all of these albums. And I discovered the genius of guys like Phil, everyone from Phil Rudd all the way, you know, to um, Alex Van Halen. And what Alex plays on that if you put it on that offbeat thing that he's doing on the bass drum and how he just does it he it like he crash i think i think he crashes on the end and then it's just it's boom the whole fucking song until they go until he does a little fill and this is home. And then he's on one and then it's bum, bum, I don't know how the fuck he does that. And stays on time. And then also makes it groove as hard as it does. Like those two guys, um, with the passing of Eddie, the fact that those two, like their body of work, just the two of them, forget about Michael Anthony in there, David Lee, Sammy, and everybody who's been in that band. 
it's just it's um yeah it's an absolute uh end of a, a a true giant and just looking at like the people that uh that like from just a wide variety of people everybody from comedians all genres of music um country everything and you know those country players like i swear to god some of those guys like way back in the day when i used to watch like roy clark there's no fucking way a guy like eddie looks at roy clark and doesn't see like that those guys you know bluegrass guys those guys could can still can't shred so there's i that's so cool to me that there's that mutual uh respect and then one of my favorite other favorite guitarists of all time jeff beck uh, i read a quote now this is the internet so you don't know the internet is not the library. The library actually puts shit in fiction and nonfiction, right? The internet, everything is put in nonfiction. <laughs> so, allegedly, I read this quote that's just some random person put up that Jeff Beck allegedly said, I want to thank Eddie Van Halen for reinventing the guitar, um, which is, you know, as high a compliment as you can, I think just as far as the, the uh, musicianship of Jeff Beck. So just as a fan and a hack drummer, I'd just like to thank Eddie for all of that unbelievable, uh, beautiful, face-melting f- music that he put out for so long and was literally like this. It got me through so just so much shit. It just always puts you in a good mood as you were growing up, no matter what you were going through, those bands, you know, you got your bands, and that was uh, that was one of mine, so... Rest in peace, man. That's a, uh, you're not going to see another guy like that. I mean, there'll be another great one, but the greats are always unique. So um, rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. All right. So with that, old freckles, I got to go to work here. I don't have my advertising yet. Um, I've been having a great time in New York here working out these sets and I actually feel like I'm getting stronger as a comic. Um, I was talking to a couple of young bucks last night, comedians and, and buckets, whatever you call. And, um, I was just saying like, at first I was really frustrated trying to work out my stuff for this gig. Um, that I was doing it in front of eight people on a rooftop or out on a sidewalk and blah, blah, blah. And then it's actually, it's taking me back to the earliest parts of my career where I would be psyched to have a gig and I would do gigs like that for free. And it's so funny. It's like the gigs you get when you first start as a comedian, you, you almost need to be a master to actually make it work (laughs) because the situations you're put in are so impossible. It's like from day one, you are thrown into places where you need seven to eight years experience just to emotionally handle the humiliation that you're about ready to put yourself through. And, um, but what happens is, is with each one of them, you know, with that graduation class of open micers that you come up with, you guys lean on each other and you start telling stories about bombing and how embarrassed you were and how dry your mouth got and those are the things that keeps you going. And um, and then it gets to that point where you start to get in better gigs and you know how to write jokes. And then now that you have jokes, you got some ammunition. 
you go in there and you learn how to get these people to listen. You learn how to not get affected by a trickle of laughter and to try to turn that trickle into a little stream and then try to build it and build it and build it. And, um, and then you get those skills and then you get the experience and you combine the two and that's when you start getting good. But then what happens is when you get to a certain level and you start selling tickets, it goes from going on stage and having to get the crowd to now the only thing you have to worry about is losing them because they came, they paid to see you, they want to see you. They're on your side as you're walking to the stage. So during that period, I've always felt that you get a little bit weaker because um, it's easier in that you already have them. But there's also a new pressure where it's they have expectations. So that's there's always something new that you have to kind of push through. But um, anyway, this pandemic has now brought me back to those types of gigs. And when I tell you I was fucking eating my balls here Thursday, Friday, Saturday this week into Sunday, and I was just in full panic attack like, oh, my God, I've these fucking New York crowds. I was actually blaming the crowds in New York. That's a classic thing to do as a comedian if you don't want to get better. It's their fault. It's not me. Everything I'm doing is perfect. I had to. I just had to remember to have fun, and uh, and just you know not let that little trickle bug me. So all of a sudden, then Sunday night I went up and I actually just had fun, and all of a sudden the whole thing just clicked and started you know started killing with it. So I was very excited about that. And, um, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's, that's just basically what I've been doing. I'm trying to, uh, get this fucking thing together here for this gig. So that is it. Um, looking forward to maybe if I get a chance, if I'm not too busy watching Thursday night football, this is the first rematch of Tom Brady and Nick Foles, both on new teams. Tom Brady, of course, on the, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Nick Foles uh, is on the Bears via the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, people are actually giving this guy shit. Like, what do you have to do? And how often do you have to do it before people respect you? I mean, people are like, had a good three weeks. Oh, what, you mean when he won the fucking Super Bowl? Did you ever have three weeks like that? Damn, fucko. All right, that's it. Um, that's it. Rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. And, uh... That's it. That's all I got to say, man. What a what an absolute genius. And uh, thank you for sharing your gifts with everybody. All right. The advertising, everybody. All right. Candid Company. You know all the things we love to do for ourselves but haven't done, haven't done it for whatever reason? Well, if you've always wanted to straighten your teeth and get a better smile, hey, stop putting it off there, crooked chops. <laughs> Thanks to Candid. Straightening your teeth is simpler, easier, and more comfortable than ever. Candid clean, clear uh, aligners are comfortable, removable, and practically invisible. Unlike wire braces, you know, you got four scump legs on your teeth. You don't want that. So you can transform your smile without anyone noticing. All right. Plus, your treatment is prescribed and monitored remotely by a licensed orthodontist who's an expert in tooth movement. Well, that's what an orthodontist is. It's going to be monitored by a plumber who's an expert in unclogging sinks. And it's all done from the comfort and convenience of your own home. Candid only works with orthodontists. 
Well, thank God. That's what they do. Never general dentists like other companies. Ooh, shots fired. Plus, your supervising orthodontist will be with you every step of the way. You don't want a dentist, Neil. He's guy's going to like yank your teeth out. This guy's going to straighten them. With Candid, your treatment includes remote monitoring by the same orthodontist who created your plan. So you never have to wonder how, how you're doing. You'll always know. The average Candid treatment is just six months. You'll start seeing results way before them, and it costs thousands less than braces. Come on, people. You got to straighten your teeth. Put a big smile on your face. Straighten, uh, start straightening your teeth today. Right now, all listeners can save $75 on Candid's starter kit. Go to CandidCO.com slash Burr and use the code Burr. That's CandidCO.com. Let me sp- spell that out. C-A-N-D-I-D, capital C, capital O, dot com slash Burr, B-U-R-R, code Burr. Take advantage of this limited time offer to save $75 on your static kit, CandidCO.com slash Burr, code Burr. Oh, so earlier, oh, it's, it's not Candid Company? Because it's CO, period. I don't fucking know. Chief Petty Officer? I don't know. All right. Policy genius, everybody. Ah, it's Halloween this month. You can hear all the gay people cheering. It's Halloween this month. And Policy Genius would like to mock the occasion by making some something less scary. Uh, home and auto insurance. Shop for insurance. Shopping for insurance can seem like a daunting task, but Policy Genius makes it easier. They combine a cutting-edge insurance marketplace with they combine a cutting-edge insurance marketplace with help from licensed experts to save you time and money. Policy Genius saves their home and auto customers an average of $1,127 a year by shopping top-rated insurance by shopping top-rated insurers in one place. Here's how it works. I'll tell you what's not working. Me reading out loud today. All right. First, head to policygenius.com and answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Then Policy Genius does the rest. They'll compare rates from uh, over 30 top insurers from progressive to nationwide to find the lowest quotes. Their licensed experts will look at all the ways to maximize your savings, including bundling your home and auto policies. If Policy Genius finds a better rate than what you're currently paying, they'll get you switched for free. Uh, that kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across over 1,600 reviews on Trustpilot and Google. So if you are a homeowner, head to PolicyGenius.com right now to get started. They've saved their homeowners and auto insurance customers an average of $1,127 a year. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. I'll tell you, as much as I fucked up the beginning of that, I crushed the ending. All right. Oh, look who it is. Legal Zoom, everybody. Monica Starks. Monica Starks could relate. She needed to hire for a pivotal role at her construction company, GS Group. Who's, what's the pivotal role? The guy who writes the, the fucking breakfast order on a shingle? Sorry. But having a tough time finding the right candidates out there. So she switched to, oh, it's ZipRecruiter. It's not legal zone. Why do they have that? They she she switched all zip. Recruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. Which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com/slash/burr. That's how Monica found Lamont, your big dummy Jenkins. 
Uh, Lamont, you big dummy. She said that ZipRecruiter sent Lamont's profile to her for around five minutes after she posted her job because he was a great match for the role through Zip. Monica's company has hired everyone from accountants to project managers to field scientists. But Monica's not the only employer who loves ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Okay, you get it. You have a pivotal position at your company. You don't have a lot of time to fill it. Four to five employers who post it on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See for yourself how Zip makes hiring faster and easier. Try it right now for free. That's right, free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Burr. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Burr. Spell out Burr, B-U-R-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash Burr, B-U-R-R. All right, that's it. That's been the podcast for today. Uh, please enjoy the music uh, picked out by the one always wonderful Andrew Themelis. And then we have a bonus half hour of a Thursday afternoon, our greatest hits Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast from a year ago, 10 years ago. I don't know how it works. I don't even think I've been doing Thursdays for 10 years. Who knows? Andrew knows. All right. God bless you. Have a great weekend. You All right. I'll talk to you guys on Monday. right now you're scaring me here go in the bedroom no just go in the bedroom just lay down drink plenty of fluids i don't know if you guys are like me but i fucking hate that shit when you get sick and then somebody tells you you just gotta shut it down and then you just have to go in there and fucking lay there bored out of your fucking mind it's like why can't i be sick doing shit i have to lay here or just be like i'm fucking sick while you come in here bringing me cups of tea See, that's your problem. I just want to help you and you won't let me do it. Um, as you can tell, Echo, I'm back in New York in my apartment. Um, and if elected, there will be no more common cold as long as you have the money to pay for the cure. If you are below the line, go fuck yourself. You didn't buy a $5,000 plate to donate to my campaign. Um, I'm fucking spent. <clears throat> I feel like shit. I thought I was going to cough again. Then those coughs would be like the backup dancer to what the fuck I was saying. Um, I finally get sick, man. I'm fucking in the middle of a seven-week tour. I'm five weeks in. This shit finally hit the fan when I was out there in Cincinnati. 
uh, I don't know what happened. You know what it was? It's just fucking global warming is, is fucking with me. It's just everybody is, is, it's summertime until well into fucking October. Not even well in, you know what I'm saying. And then bam, it just becomes like deep in the fall. So I fucking show up in Cincinnati after looking at the forecast. I show up out there with like a windbreaker, right? And uh, just the first night, I got this fucking, I have no jacket on. I'm tired from my fucking ninth flight of the fucking month. And, uh, you know, it was raining out. And then that was it. Oh, and then what else, Bill? What else dumb thing did you do? Did you take any vitamin C? I don't even know if that works. What did you take? What did you do? Nothing. I didn't take anything. I shook hands and then fucking rubbed my nose with the hand I shook everybody's hand with. And then that was it. I was fucking sick. Fucking sick. So I get to New York City. No, that's not even what I do. So fucking Verzi. Dude, I called it. Verzi fucking tells me to get that uh, that airborne. You know, take the shit that everybody else is taking. You know, throw the exact same punch that this fucking virus has seen over the last fucking, you know, whatever, five years. You think you can't see that coming at this point? Oh, the old airborne. The old triple Lindy. The 23 skidoo fucking slips that and then punches me right in the face. Go fuck yourself. You're sick for three days. So that's the deal. All right. Um. So what do I do? I get here to New York. This this podcast is going to suck, by the way. So I warned you four minutes and 11 seconds in. All right. So it's your fault if you don't fucking tap out. You're probably going to keep listening, aren't you, you sadistic sons of bitches? Um, so I go out and I'm like, all right, I want to sleep. I want to sleep tonight and just fucking try to get ahead of this goddamn thing. So I go to the goddamn, what is it? The CVS, the Dwayne Reed, whatever the fuck it is. Rite Aid. I don't know what part of the country I'm in. Well, I know a part of the country, but I forget what they have. So anyways, I fucking go in there. And I'm looking for the Alka-Seltzer cold and fucking flu bullshit, right? And I just start reading the stuff on the back. And it basically says, if you take this four times in one day, you're going to do major irreparable damage to your liver. You understand how fucked up that is? Okay, four times, it just takes four doses of this shit, and I'll do major irreparable damage to my liver. Why the fuck would I even take it once? You know what I mean? That's like having a gun, and instead of holding it to your head, you shoot your foot. Why the fuck would you do that? So I was like, fuck that. Fuck that Alka-Seltzer. I'm going to tough it out. And then I pussied up, and I got some fucking NyQuil. But even then, I read this one, and this one has it's some fucking long-ass word. Begins with an A and it has like seventeen consonants in the in a row, you know, like a fucking Russian hockey player's last name, you know, C Z Y. Is the first fucking three letters of their weird ass names, um, and it all says that it does fucking liver damage. So I'm sitting here, old school, toughing this out like a fucking Quaker. You know how they do that shit. Out there in Pennsylvania, that kid gets an appendicitis, and they're like, "Well, why would we just go to the fucking witch doctors?" When they know how to fucking handle it, we'll just sit here and go, ooh, boogity, 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 and fucking hold our hands over it, rubbing our hands together, you know, like you're in Karate Kid. And then the kid fucking dies. That's what I'm saying. I'm trying to be the first adult who dies of the common cold. And it'll be my silent protest 
to the fucking whatever. Ah, Jesus, hang on. Fucking cunt. Oh, left-handed from across the room, right in the fucking bucket. So anyways, this is the podcast for this week. I got a huge... I got a huge week, bunch of bunch of promo stuff. My special came out last week for download, five dollars a whack, and um, pretty much there was, you know, I would say ninety nine percent success rate with people downloading it. Uh, I want to thank everybody that's been downloading it. Please tell your friends to continue. It's a nice steady stream. Um, <clears throat> it was like you know, one percent of people had difficulties, their computers or the thing, you know, who knows what, and they were all very nice. There was only a couple. Cunty emails where I had to get up and walk around. Here's one. If, if you had a problem and you want customer service, it's probably not good to start your email off with seriously. Seriously? Like, I give you $5 and then, like, I seriously? Ugh. What a fucking cunt. I had somebody else go, right? I love how, like, nobody ever thinks, hey, maybe it's me. Maybe it's my computer. Like, when I'm telling you 99% of the people are getting a special without a fucking glitch, okay? And I have empathy for people who go to download something that doesn't work out. That happens to me every time, all right? But I know that I suck at all things computers, okay? But I had a computer whiz set this motherfucker up, okay? So this one guy hits me with, like, um, he was just so convinced that no one was going to respond to him that he just went fucking all in. And evidently, he came up with this theory that I was basically not giving anybody this special and I was using it $5 each to just buy a new roof. That's what I was going to do. I was going to fuck everybody over. (laughs) Completely like napalm the little fan base that I have just, you know, for this short run to get a new fucking roof, you know? It'd be one thing if I was sending out hard copies. This is just a fucking digital thing. You know, I don't have to keep pressing a bunch of them. You just get access to it and you download. You know? I don't know. Why the fuck would I do that? So I just wrote the dude back. I was just like, listen, it's just a glitch. You know, we'll make sure you get the special. If you'd like a refund, I'll, you know, send me your address. I'll send you a check. The fuck is wrong with you? But even his was funny. It was a dude who wrote, seriously? Seriously, like, I I have to, like, download this, too, to, like, watch this? Seriously? Ah. Oh, and then the other cunt. There was, like, three cunts this week. Out of, like, a couple thousand people. There was only three cunts. Another one fucking wrote, tried, said, you know, this is the fourth time I fucking emailed you, which was a total goddamn lie. Or they don't know how to send a fucking email. Because I was like, you know... I don't know what the word is. I was going to say religiously or fucking whatever. I was making sure because I didn't want to fuck anybody over. All I got is my balls and my word. And I don't break up for nobody. So I fucking searched the kid's thing. He told me he wrote four times. It'd be nice to have some sort of human response. Blah, 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 blah. And then I just wrote back, this is the first email I've got from you. I'll gladly give you your money back. What's your address? And I haven't heard back from him. Seriously? Go fuck yourselves. Um, so anyways, what else do I got? Oh, I didn't announce this last week because I'm a moron. I'm in the middle of this this tour. I'm going to be... Uh, I started a podcast network. 
And with Al Madrigal from Minivan Men and a number of other people who uh, don't have podcasts, uh, so you won't know who the hell they are, but uh, it's called allthingscomedy.com. You should check it out. Uh, we got a bunch of, we got, I don't know, we got like eight to ten cool podcasts on there. And, um, you know, it's kind of, how do I explain it? You know what, it, it's just sort of, it's it's one for podcasters, if that makes fucking sense. What's happening is, is these podcasts are doing really well, and now the businessman's coming in, and he's he's just rounding them all up. And then, if, hey, come on to my network, okay? Here's the deal there, fucking Johnny Bravo. I'll own your podcast. You suck a dick and do your show every week, and in the end, I'll make the millions, and you can go fuck yourself. It's the typical behind-the-music contract. So me and uh, Mr. Madrigal were like, well, why don't we just create a co-op? Everybody comes in. We band together in the strength of numbers. Everybody owns their podcast. No funny shit. You know, whatever listeners you bring in, that's how much money you make. All right? No funny business, no hidden hand, no rabbit in the hat, none of that bullshit. Okay? We're out of our fucking minds. We created a completely fair business model <laughs> for all parties involved. It's called All Things Comedy. So if you guys would like to check it out, um, of course, I don't have any internet, so I can't. I'm, I'm trying to remember. We got uh, we got uh, uh, Walking the Room. We have Ari Shafir's. Um, we have Your Mom's House. You guys probably are listening to some of these. What else do we got? Come on, Bill. Harlan's Highway. Harlan Williams. It's great. Go check it out. Go check it out. Uh, Minivan Men, the Monday Morning Podcast. It's an eclectic mix of podcasts. And everybody still owns their podcast. Nobody's getting fucked over. That's the crazy thing. It's not even just show business. It's just business in general. What I find is whenever I get in business with somebody, it's always like, okay, we're getting in business together. All the receipts and money will go to me, and then I'll tell you how much we made. That's what they always say to me. All right, let's do this. This is going to be a great collaboration. Okay, you just sit over there and don't you worry. All monies will come into me and I'll tell you how much we made. Go fuck yourself. Every time. That's what it's like to play a comedy club. You know, I don't know how many people sit in the fucking room. I have somebody standing back there with a clicker. You know, I don't have time for that shit. I just do a guarantee. Pay me this and I will, I will dance like a monkey all weekend. All right, that's it. And then you can do whatever boss hog shit you want to do, sticking fucking extra chairs in, having a VIP section or whatever the fuck else you want to do. Oh, Bill's in a cunty mood. Did you guys watch any of the NFL football yesterday? Um, I've been missing out on a lot of football because I've been on the road and I've been actually going to games. I went to uh, I went to the Bengals game or the Bengals, as Paul Verzi calls it. Like he he says the same thing as the girl group. The Bengals. Um, I went there, and uh, what a great fucking stadium that is. Underrated, the Cincinnati Bengals Stadium. I, I don't even think I got the name of it. It's probably because I was drinking Jameson coming across on a fucking riverboat at 10 in the morning. That's probably why. Um, fucking came walking up, and I said to the security guy, where's the will call? And he's like, oh, you're really far away from that. And I go, great. Well, which direction is it in, you fucking idiot? Um, other than that, it was a great experience. Uh, really, really great stadium. Really intimate, like uh, the crowds on top of it. And uh, 
for some reason, this Bengals fan in front of me convinced me to start heckling the Dolphins kicker who has a highlighted mullet. A mullet with highlights in it, I guess is a better way to describe it. And uh, there was a kid behind me, so I never cursed. And I was just I, I was just sitting there shredding my voice for, for nothing. I didn't have any money on the game. I don't give a f- I, I didn't want to see the Dolphins win just because the Patriots are in the AFC. But um, so this is kind of a fucked up subject. Um, what's the deal with pink every fucking year? Is this like forever now? Every October for an entire month, everybody in the NFL is going to dress up like Barbie fun time, summer dance, fucking uh, Winnebago thing. I don't know what the fuck, Pinky Tuscadero or what the, you know what I mean? And this is the thing. This is, it's over. This, this is something that you cannot fucking reverse. If you're going to wear pink for four weeks, all right, to, to raise awareness for breast cancer, there's no way somebody can come and be like, hey, how about just three weeks? You know, you can't because it's going to be like, you don't care about people suffering from breast cancer. You know, I, 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 this is, there's no fucking way to criticize this without coming off like a cold hearted son of a bitch, but that's not going to stop me from trying. Am I the only one who finds it like just a little intrusive that it's that long that it's just, it's, it's a month out of a four month season. And it's not like they just have a little bow there. They're just fucking decked out in the shit. It's, I, like, who got caught fucking who, and this is what they had to do to make up for it? Or is this just like a business move by the NFL where they're sitting there going like, all right, we can get a lot of ladies watching if we show that we care about, you know, this as much as we do. You know? So this is my solution or my suggestion. Can we at least tone it down? Can we just start with the pink ref whistle? Does he really have to stick that thing in his mouth and go, tweety, tweet? Um, I don't know, dude. It's, you know what it is? It's all part of this fucking slow slide away from everything that made this country great. Nerds and ladies are fucking, I'm not saying they're running shit, but they're definitely doing the decorating. You know what I mean? They're, they're in the driver's seat. They're dictating what the fuck we're watching. Oh, I'm fucking going full-on conspiracy theory here. I just, you know, the guy's guy is is dead. Dead in the water. If there's going to be a guy's guy on TV, he has to be mocked. You know what I mean? It has to be done in like that office kind of way where you just fucking, you know, he's confident, but it's he's, he's betraying an underlying insecurity. Now, maybe he's just confident. Maybe he was just one of those guys who got laid in the fifth grade because he just had the fucking gift the same way Jordan had the gift to play hoop. You know, maybe he's just that guy. Maybe he's that guy that all the ladies want to bang. They want to touch his fucking thing, but they don't want to touch yours. Right? And then what? So then you write the fucking script and then you make him out to be a douche. You know what? I, for one, don't buy into it. How about you wear it one week? Who isn't aware of fucking uh, uh, breast cancer at this point? Who, who isn't aware of it? Anybody? 
You know what I think? The NFL, because they're such good businessmen, I think what they're doing is they're actually, you know, not enough women are buying jerseys. So they just have them modeling pink ones for the entire month, acting like they give a shit about finding a cure to this disease so that women will go out, oh, my God, I like the pink powder puff Dallas Cowboy Tony Romo one. Oh, I have a pair of socks that would go with it so nicely. You know, it's fucking football, man. Is it like illegal to be a guy now? Can you just, it's like, it's almost just mocked if you want something to be fucking hardcore guy, like full on fucking testosterone. Like for some reason, it's, it's, it's just, it's considered, uh, I, I would say borderline offensive. Can you picture Ken Stabler wearing pink? The steel curtain wearing pink, the doomsday defense, the purple people leaders, the fucking orange crush, the overhill gang. How many defenses do I got to bring up wearing pink? They wouldn't have wore pink. They would have said, we're not wearing that, sweetheart. And they would have slapped you on your Mary Tyler Moore ass and sent you out of the locker room as they dropped their towels. That was the NFL I grew up with. I don't recognize this NFL. All right. Everybody running around. You should just give them those socks that have that little ball on the back of the ankle. You know? Why don't we have, why don't we have them wear dresses all through November for, like, you know, uh, sweatshop labor awareness? Uh, <laughs> you know what would be fucking hilarious? Not really. In an ironic sense, is if those pink uh, breast cancer awareness jerseys and all that shit at some point along the manufacturing thing are sewn together by some child at four in the morning in like the Philippines. You know what I mean? Oh, the level of irony in that. Wouldn't that be hilarious? Well, I think it would be. All right. I'm kind of um, handicapped this week here because uh, I can't find, you know, this fucking internet doesn't work in this goddamn place. Um, Oh, here's the deal. By the way, if you're downloading my special, first of all, thank you so much, and thank you for everybody who did it. I really, really, really appreciate it. Um, it's fucking awesome that you guys support um, my specials like that, and you come out to see me, you know, like Saturday night, go bananas. The Cincinnati Reds are in the playoffs, and people still showed up, and they just taped the game. That does not go unnoticed, even by an arrogant jackass like myself. Um, all right, so I got to let you guys know that if you didn't receive the download link to uh, when you email me, when you go, seriously, I gave you $5, seriously, just make sure that you uh, include your PayPal receipt number and uh, special and put special download in the subject line. It'll just make it easier for me to sift through them so that, uh, you know, I can do right by you. You spent five bucks, God damn it! you should get what the fuck you paid for, correct? Well, all right then. All right, let's do some advertising for this week, if I can find it scrolling down with my thumb. Where the hell is it? Come on, you fucking prick. Who says prick? How old am I? Come on, you... Why you oughta... Why you oughta... Why I oughta... Where the hell is it? Ugh. Is it really easier? Can somebody please explain to me how it's easier? How these fucking goddamn fucking iPhone cunt motherfuckers. All right, here we go. Search. What happens? Do I open an email and then my fucking ass cheek somehow like deletes it? 
There it is. All right. Sorry. Okay. Here we go. This fucking 20 seconds of your life you'll never get back. Um, all right. E-voice, everybody. If you're looking, f- uh, if you need help looking more professional or being more efficient, you should check out E-voice. Um, I've personally received some ridiculously uh, awesome feedback on Twitter from my listeners of the show that says uh, that the e-voice thing is helping them get their business off the ground, helps it to sound professional and all this stuff. The stuff is seriously, um, the service, I should say, is is seriously um, definitely worth the price of admission here. Uh, by going to www.evoice.com slash Bill Burr, you can get a free six-month trial of e-voice. Um, it helps me as I can now give out multiple numbers that will... I, it doesn't help me. I don't use it. Why do they always try to get you to say that you're using it? I don't, I don't need this. I don't have a business. I'm a fucking solo guy. This is for you guys. This is, it can help you give out multiple numbers that will all come through one cell phone. All right? You can have virtual answering service with multiple accents that make you sound bigger than you are. That's that great thing that they have where they actually have... Actors like voiceover, professional voiceover actors that will make it sound like you have some smoking hot chick from fucking Cucamonga <laughs> answering your phones right there. Someone's going to be like, well, I want to have a meeting with this guy. Maybe that chick's going to show up. And by the time they realize that she doesn't even exist in your business world, you got them locked in on eight months of business. Um, you can transcribe your voicemails to text or email. Basically, eVoice makes your life easier and makes a small business owner look much bigger. Go to www.evoice.com slash Bill Burr and get a free six months trial of eVoice. You got to do it. All right. And once you get your damn business going, then what do you got to do? You know, it's coming. Stamps.com, everybody. Huh? How many times I got to read to you and tell you how awesome this is? I use this thing every damn week when I'm sending out my DVDs. Um, if you would like to never have to go to the post office again, to be able to have the ability to print legal stamps and postage in the safety of your own apartment, home, dwelling, tent city, wherever the hell you're at, uh, please visit stamps.com. Um, you would think that I would have this memorized. What the hell are we doing here? Um, I'm the worst. What else? You get a scale. I don't know what else to tell you. It's perfect. You don't have to go to the post office anymore. You don't have to wait in lines. You don't have to deal with their grumpy attitudes. You got the post office within your own goddamn apartment. All right? Stamps.com. Do it. Live it. Love it. Give me feedback. All right. That's it. Back to the podcast. So, so here we are. 20 minutes in. I'm dying of, the, of, a, of a fucking common cold. Hey, do you know I, w- I was on a plane yesterday? Well, what else? What else is new? I was on a fucking plane, and uh, somebody brought two pit bulls on the plane. On like in like, just both the dogs were on leashes. I didn't know you could do that shit. The guy got on first, and uh, he just walked these two fucking beautiful dogs on. And I was praying to God he was sitting next to me. That's how much I'm sold on that breed. As much as everybody, everybody was making their fucking pit bull jokes. It's really like dog racism. You know what I mean? Grab your purse. There's a pit bull. <laughs> but I'm not going to lie to you. They are scary looking dogs. They really are. They do. They, they can be. 
until you get one. And then when you see, once you have a fucking pit bull, every time you see one, all you want to do is just go up and pet the dog and squeeze its fucking thighs. Those fucking fullback thighs are the shit. Um, so anyways, so I went to the bang, the Bengals game with Paul Verzi. That was uh, franchise number 30. I got two more to see. The Saints in Tampa Bay. I'm going to see a Saints game in November. And then I guess I'll knock out Tampa Bay next year. And then then what do I do? Huh? I've been to every fucking football stadium, every baseball stadium. I'm going to have to start going to college. And then what? Jesus. Then I go to all the big college ones. And then when I wipe those out, at that point, I'll probably be in my 70s. And then I'll just be some creepy comedian hanging out at high school football games. Oh, God. Do you think you're even going to make it that far? You ever think of that, that shit? Are you even going to make it that far? The fact that it's like 80 degrees right up until like October 5th. And I don't even know if this has to do with human beings. I have no fucking idea. You know, from what I've heard, there's been periods of cooling and warming up all throughout history. But all I know <laughs> is that the shit, the shit be changing. And that there's too many fucking people. I don't know. See, this is the thing, man. This is why... I don't know. I should have got married and had kids. I gotta, I gotta fucking lock this shit down. I gotta get married and have kids. That's the deal. All right? And then I can be just sitting there focusing on what kind of stuff is in these Fruit Loops? Should we be, like, feeding them this stuff? You know? Meanwhile, there's some fucking black van sitting out front and I don't even notice it. That's exactly what they want. That's what they want. Um... You know what? That's the podcast for this week. I'm not fucking... I, I, got, I, I can't do this shit. I don't have any fucking internet. I can't fucking breathe. Oh, who's a whiny cunt this week? Um, hang on, I gotta hit pause. Hold on, I gotta fucking blow my nose. God damn it. All right, I'm back. Uh, okay, here we go. It's the fucking worst. Why the fuck did I just take the goddamn vitamins instead of being an asshole? Hey, you know, we actually have a follow-up. Um, we actually have a follow-up thing here for the uh, that dude. Remember that dude a few weeks ago who had that chick start the rumor that he was into the weird porn even though uh, it was she who was into the weird shit? Remember that? For those of you who didn't listen, uh, a few weeks back, this guy... Uh, He's hooking up with this lady, and she says, hey, why don't you come over? We can watch some porno. So he's all excited, you know, and he decides to let her pick the porno, which is a very smart move because God knows if you pick something too weird, you could fuck the whole evening up. So let her, you know, pick her, like, you know, romance porno, you know, that's sh shot with, like, soft lighting, you know, that awful porn that some women watch. Um, so that's what he's expecting. And she put on some sort of uh, cartoon where this chick was getting, like, fucking, you know, raped by a, a cyclops or something. I don't I can't remember what the fuck it was. So he flipped out, broke up with her. And what does this girl do? Rather than going and get some therapy or just being okay with the freak that she is, uh, she goes around the school and starts telling everybody that it was he who did that, fucking with his reputation. So uh, um, he said, what should I do? And I said, this is what you do. I said, you fucking bring her over. You act like you're getting back together with her. And you just sort of record in the background. Ask her why she told everybody that that he was the one that picked out the porn when, in fact, it was actually her. 
and then you got it, and then you don't get back together with her, and you say, listen, Pope of Greenwich Village, right? I got a fucking tape, tape that I took off a fucking dead cop. You pull that bullshit. Well, he did his version of it, all right? And here's, here's what he did. Okay, Bill, thanks for your advice. I took, I took your advice up a level. Oh, I took your advice up a level. I pretended to get back together with her and was able to convince her I had an open mind. We made it back to her place, and I convinced her to go back on the computer and get another cartoon porno. Now, this is how you know that this girl is fucking nuts, is the fact that she absolutely destroyed this guy's reputation. And then when he goes, no, no, I get it now. Can we just get back together? And she's just like, yeah, let's just get back together. There's no, oh, my God, I can't believe what I did. I've ruined you. You know, why would you even want to get back together with me after what I did to you? There's none of that. She's just like, oh, okay, things are back to normal. Psycho. Um, so anyways, I convinced her, her to go back on the computer and get another cartoon porno. I was standing behind her and took a picture of her on, the com- on her computer. I had to sit through the video and got a blowjob. <laughs> I then went home and printed off the picture and posted it in her classroom. I was then, oh, Jesus, dude. I was then called into the principal's office. He was a dude and was very sympathetic. Uh, The only reason I was called in was because an old lady teacher reported me. The principal just shrugged and claimed I was being bullied and was just trying to clear my name. I acted like I was the victim and he ate it up. I was about to turn him onto your podcast, but realized it would be, it would make it premeditated bullying. Uh, she is never going to live it down, but all the girls think I'm an asshole and guys think I'm a hero. So worth it. Thanks for your help. Well, congratulations. Well, what the fuck do the girls think you're an asshole? You know, I guess cause they insert themselves into the situation where they, they, there would have been a picture of them watching a porno, but, but they, you know, they wouldn't have done what she did. You know that? I, I'll never understand. A bunch of comedians have done bits about that, how women fucking can't get along with each other. But when it comes between, you know, a woman and a guy, they will support women blindly. She made, she made this guy's life a living hell. Jesus, dude. And you got a fucking blowjob out of it. Oh, Jesus. He took it up a notch, everybody. All right, Bill, modern football. Oh, this is because I went off on rugby. In football last year. Uh, Hey, Bill, Boston, I mean last week. Hey, Bill, Boston's involved in the creation of modern American football. Be proud. All right, so he sits there and he gives me the Wikipedia link here, which I'm hoping will open maybe in the next fucking nine minutes. History of American football can be traced to early versions of rugby football and associations football. Well, there you go. So then why do all those soccer cunts go like... uh, Give us shit like that. That was, well, I guess because they, it just makes sense that soccer is football. It's a ball and you can only use your feet unless you're the goalie. Um, both games have their origin in, how dumb are we? Why didn't we just call it rugby? Yeah, that would make more sense if our version of rugby was bigger guys hitting each other harder, you know? Um, anyways, both games have their origin in the varieties of, of football played. I don't give a fuck. This is the most boring shit ever. 
I hate when somebody sends me a Wikipedia link like they did this fucking, that they went into the bowels of a library and found some, you know, Ed Rugby versus NFL football 1862 case. You know what I mean? I don't fucking know. That was my call, too. Uh, Dilemma. Bill, would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 100 duck-sized horses? Uh, Oh, 100 duck-sized horses, without a fucking doubt. Although I'd feel bad if I broke one of their legs. They're just little, little fucking horsies. I just tip them over. I just keep tipping them over. A fucking duck the size of a horse, you can get killed. A horse fucking kicks you in the head, you can die. All right, and they have those little feet. The ducks have those giant fucking web things. That would be like getting slapped by the biggest phone book in the history of mankind right across the face. At the very least, you're going to get a vicious concussion. Fuck that. 100 duck-sized horses. I can't imagine how hard I would be laughing as they chased me. You know, I when I wait, are they as are they faster than I am? Or is it like one of those nightmares where you're still faster than them, but you can't shake them? For some reason, I'm picturing myself fighting these horses in Central Park, maybe because I'm in New York. I would have that fucking, you know, you know, like when you were drunk and you were getting chased by some fucking person, you know, some adult. For whatever fucking reason, because you were having a party or some shit, or you were on their property. Remember that that feeling when you would start running? Where you could only kind of feel your forehead and the top of your head and the rest of your body was numb. And you knew it was only a moment of time before you did a fucking face plant. I think that's how I would feel if I was getting chased by 100 duck-sized horses. That's what I think, everybody. That's my comedic take on that one. Oh, go. This is the worst fucking podcast ever. Ugh. 36 minutes in. How the fuck am I going to fill these final, final fucking 24 minutes? Two-year breakup. Bill, this one's pretty fucked and convoluted, but I'm going to try to make it brief. Met my lady in high school almost five years ago. Our first breakup was around the two-and-a-half-year mark. Despite being broken up, we still had sex, went on dates, and did a bunch of general relationship shit. Yeah, you're two codependent people. You should have walked away. Uh, He goes, a few months went by before we made our relationship official again. A few weeks after that, however, I found out she had been fucking some dude during the hiatus. Now, don't put hiatus in quotes because you broke up. You were on hiatus. That was fair. Um, Yeah, she she did it uh, within the trade deadline. (laughs) I was 18 at the time. It took it hard. Things got ugly between us for a long time. Long story short, we stay together for a year, break up again, fuck around while apart again, and get back together. A few months more goes by before I find out she's been fucking another dude during our second hiatus. Jesus, dude. How many times are you going to go back for the same movie? Did you go see Police Academy 7? Because you wanted to see if the little mousy girl was going to go, don't move, dirt bag, for the 50th time. Did you clap and laugh like a fucking trained seal? Come on, man, you're better than this. Anyways, as you can guess, things get really bad this time. Though we haven't got back together officially, this is fucking retarded, I know, he says. We still are in an exclusive relationship. There's literally a mountain of other bullshit 
that may be slightly relevant, but who gives a fuck? Here's where you come in. I'm fucking sick of this shit, but I can't bring myself to tell the girl to kick rocks. I guess that means leave. First love, lost our virginity to each other, etc. And thoughts of her being with other people fucks me up, even though she already has been. I'm a huge push, pussy and need some solid advice on how to put this one to bed. Thanks. Uh, fuck yourself. All right. Um, yeah, dude. What you need to do is... All right. You know what's weird? Before you have your first fucking girlfriend, before you've ever been in a fucking relationship, you have this whole fucking life. You have your life. Granted, you're probably still living at home with your parents and you got to deal with their shit. Brian, dinner's ready. You got to deal with that shit, right? But generally speaking, you have your fucking life. You know, you're playing street hockey. You're going out have drinking beers. You're fucking going to games. You're doing whatever the fuck you're doing. Then all of a sudden you get your first girlfriend, right? And suddenly I find how wonderful my life, right? Um, and then all of a sudden your life just becomes about that, especially if you're codependent and you're going to stop doing the other bullshit. And then all of a sudden you fucking break up and you can't even remember what the fuck you did before you met this person, right? You feel You feel lost. You feel hopeless. You feel worthless. You don't even think life is fucking worth living. All that is, obviously, you're going to miss this person. You got to remember, you got you to build your life back up. You got you to fucking sit down and be like, what the fuck did I used to enjoy doing before I met that fucking nightmare with the vagina? You know, what did I used to like to do? And just start doing that shit. All right. Get out there, be fucking social. And look, it's going to suck for a good six weeks. After six weeks, there'll be enough time. And this is the thing, too. Don't be talking to her during that six weeks. All right? Women have this unbelievable ability to sense when you're starting to get your shit together after a breakup. And they will call you 1-800-MINDFUCK. And they will stir your shit up. And they'll set you a week and a half behind. All right? Don't don't fucking do that, all right? You 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 walk away like De Niro in Heat. That's what you got to do on this one. Just fucking walk away. It's over. It's done. Go fuck yourself. It's it. You don't have to say that stuff to her, but just it's over. Just be like, I have to figure out who I am again, and then that's it. Sniffle and walk away, and just accept the fact that it's gonna suck for a good six weeks, but every day is gonna get a little easier, all right? And at the end of fucking six weeks, you know you'll be fine. You'll still miss her every once in a while, but don't go back to that shit. It's fucking misery. You know it's misery. All right? You got to man up. And this is a fucking lesson you really have to learn in life or you're going to end up staying with this girl or repeat this fucking process with somebody else that you shouldn't be with. And one of these days, you're going to knock them up and then your life's really going to suck. All right? So stop being a fucking pussy. There's plenty of broads out there, you know? That's it. Join a gym. Go to a fucking game. Go travel. Just go do something that doesn't involve her. Something that you can fucking look forward to. All right? And there you go. And that's it. I hope that helps you. All right. All right. Last week. Last week, I was laughing my ass off reading this thing where this guy was trying to claim um, 
that that sleep sex shit. You know, that basically he's asleep and he just starts having sex with his fucking uh, girlfriend. And he's completely asleep. He's totally asleep. I, I, I just... Evidently, this is... Somebody says, hey, Bill, this does exist. This does happen to me at least a dozen times a year. That's what somebody wrote in. Um, here, listen to this one. Hey, Bill, I feel compelled to write to you this email after hearing the Monday Morning Podcast this morning. I know the guy's sleep sex story sounds insane, but I can tell you that it's 100% a real thing. Hear me out. This is so fucking nuts. Somebody else told me that there was somebody who fucking was asleep, woke up, didn't wake up, got up like a fucking zombie, got in the car, drove across town, murdered somebody, and came back and got off because they were asleep. Okay? You can't drive a car when you're fucking asleep. This is bullshit. I, I, don't, I don't give a fuck if there's a scientific name for that. Are your eyes open? Then you're awake. Well, you're driving down the street with, with your fucking eyes closed. You know? Are these, these people like supernatural beings? Are they witches? What are they doing? Why are they having sex? Why don't they wake up and do like fucking, uh, they start, you know, scrubbing the floor? Why do they always go do something fun? Like get laid or kill somebody that's annoying them. How come they never do anything miserable? Oh my God, I got fucking, you know, I was, <laughs> I've reshingled the roof for my neighbor. Yeah, it's, this is bullshit. This is fucking bullshit. Fuck all you guys. I'll read it. I'll try to have an open mind. Here's another guy who suffers from uh, getting laid while he's sleeping. In college, I was dating a girl who would do the same thing. I started spending the night at her place, which was closer to campus than my dorm. One night, I came back really late after driving back to college from home. I walked in, and I heard loud moaning like someone was having sex. Thinking she was cheating on me, I busted into the room to beat the shit out of whoever she was fucking. Which is hilarious. Why would you beat the shit out of that person unless they knew you and knew that you were in a relationship? The guy's just doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's trying to get laid. You should go in there and fucking call the girl a whore and then leave. Misdirected anger. Anyways, he goes, I walked in only to find her by herself in bed, naked from the waist down, fingering the hell out of herself. So he goes, so I walked over thinking I could get in on the action. And her eyes were closed and she wouldn't respond to me talking to her. Dude, what kind of fucking Blair Witch... Uh, the Exorcist. This is fucking creepy. You walk in, her eyes are closed. She's like in a zombie state, finger blasting herself. And your first thought is, hey, maybe I can get in on the action. <laughs> that right there just shows the weakness of a man. The fact that he can go from that level of rage, I'm going to beat the fuck out of whoever's banging my girl to two seconds later, like, hey, maybe I can help you out with that there, little lady. Um... Anyways, once she finished, she seemed to fall asleep immediately. Thinking this was crazy, I woke her up and asked her what the fuck was going on. She admitted that this happened sometimes, not very often, but sometimes. And she never told me about it because it was embarrassing. I was like, okay, whatever. I never really thought about it again. Really? You saw something that bizarre and were like, all right, okay, you know. 
And then you never thought about it again? That sounds like that would be like so disturbing to see somebody in a zombified state fingering themselves. I don't think, I, I mean, just me picturing what that looks like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to forget it. Um, anyway. Now, let me get to, ah, oh, fuck, I'm going to sneeze. God damn it. Hang on a second. All right, I'm back. I'm back here. Um, yeah, like, I don't think I, I could ever get that, that thought out of my head. Well, I just kind of shook it off and continued on. He said, now let's get to where I say sleep sex is real. About three weeks later, I was spending the night at her place again, and I woke up to her talking in her sleep. Oh, my God. Dude, this is the creepiest shit. She's speaking in tongues. 666 on her fucking forearm. This sounds like one of those, the, uh, I don't know what the name of the fucking movie is. Um. Anyways, where the hell was I? Three weeks later, I woke up. She was talking in her sleep, but talking like she was having sex, saying shit like, yeah, fuck me, and stuff. But she was just talking, not doing anything else. So she's sitting up in bed, having a fucking conversation, her eyes fucking like rolling around in her fucking head. This is the creepiest shit ever. Do you guys sleep in like a pyramid? Is she like, like, is she like fucking cursed? This sounds like some shit that would only happen like in an Indiana Jones movie. Um, so he goes, so I decided to wake her up and let her know what she was doing. I leaned over and kind of shook her softly, you know, saying, hey, wake up, wake up. Instead of waking up, she rolled toward me. Ah, the zombie. Ah, fuck me, fuck me. <laughs> This is the fucking exorcist. Ah, sucky dick. Ah. Um, oh, God. I always forget that I'm in New York. Can't imagine what my fucking, <laughs> fucking neighbors are thinking right now. Uh, instead of waking up, she rolled toward me and put her hands down my pants and started jerking me off and kissing me. See, this is where it goes out the window. This is where it goes out. It's such jerking off. Dude, this is where it goes out the fucking window for me. If you're asleep, how do you know where the where everything is? Oh, I'm asleep and I'm walking out to the garage, not bumping into anything, grabbing the keys. Ah, I gotta go kill the neighbor. Give me a fucking break. This is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. This isn't real. So she rolls to her, starts jerking me off, kissing me, and then still in her, in her sleep said, are you going to fuck me or what? <laughs> and he goes, well, shit, how could I turn that down? How could you turn it down because her fucking eyes are rolling up in her head? Dude, isn't this like a form of rape? If she's asleep and you're banging her, I mean, that's just... <clears throat> What if, what if you didn't know her? She walks up, eh, fuck me, fuck me. Walking around in her fucking pajamas out in the lawn, pulled up in a car. This is the creepiest shit I've ever read about in my, in my five years of doing this podcast. This is the creepiest shit ever. This is Linda Blair. Linda Blair is a porn star. So she goes, you going to fuck me or what? And the guy goes, well, shit, how can I turn that down? I started to take my pants off. And her, still sleeping, started stripping in the bed. 
see, this, this all has like a I'm awake kind of thing or possessed, one or the other. He goes, we started going at it, but the whole time her eyes were still closed, but it was like she was awake, grabbing onto me, kissing me, moaning. It was totally crazy. Then the craziest thing happened. So this girl was one of those more reserved types. We never really had dirty sex. Dude, if you bang this girl in the ass while she's fucking in this zombified state, um, I, I don't know what to tell you. He goes, we never really had dirty sex or anything. It was still really good, but nothing out of the ordinary, except tonight. All of a sudden, while we're going at it, she flips over onto her knees and says, put it in my ass. Oh, my God. Dude, fuck you guys. Did you guys all get together and just say, let's fuck with Bill? And let's just write the craziest fucking emails ever. Is there some sort of website where you guys are doing this? I, this is not real. This isn't real. He goes, what the fuck? I about fucking fell over. Never had we even talked about it or anything. And all of a sudden, she was doing things she had never done, at least with me. Without even seeming like it was new, she just acted like it happens all the fucking time. Dude, if you do this, why don't you wake her up and be like, sweetheart, just to let you know that you're asleep right now telling me to put my dick in your ass. I, you know, Are you comfortable with going back to sleep and letting me do that? I'm just checking. All right. Nighty night. Um, anyways, it was one of the craziest nights of sex I ever had. Dude, you're a fucking creep. You're a fucking creep, dude. You're a fucking creep, okay? If I was with somebody and they were a zombie, I would wake them up. All right? You had fucking anal sex with this girl when she was, like, awake, asleep? Awake, asleep, whatever the fuck the, the, the medical version of this is, fucking insane. Uh, the next morning, she woke up and didn't mention a thing about it at all, at all day. So I finally decided to bring it up. Oh, that's a good move. Hey, by the way, last night when you were sleeping, but kind of were awake, but were asleep, uh, I, I put it in your ass. If you wondered why, uh, you know, you felt a little weird this morning, yeah. Because I, oh, Jesus, he goes, I told her what happened. And at first she was pretty pissed. Yeah, I would think so. But then after talking about it for a few minutes, she admitted that this had happened a few times before where she's had sex in her sleep with someone, including her sister's boyfriend. Wow. That's what he wrote. And I would have said that anyways. Dude, so the boyfriend banged her while she was sleeping? Her sister's boyfriend? That, that, this is like rape, guys. This is fucking nuts. She's not in a place where she can say no. She's dreaming about something else if this shit even exists. This is the creepiest fucking email ever. Oh, and it keeps going. She started crying and saying she didn't know what to do, so I offered to go with her to a therapist and at least approach the topic with a professional. Well, aren't you just a fucking great guy after you banged her in the ass while she was sleeping? The therapist said she may have sexomnia. That was the term she used. Seriously, look it up. Or a sleep disorder where a person actually has sex in their sleep. Yeah, go fuck your sexomnia. That, no, no, fuck you. I'm not, I'm not buying this. The therapist said it's more common than people think. No, it isn't. 
No, it isn't. None of my friends have this story. They would have told me. And that it's treatable only in some cases. She got on some medication. It seemed to help a little. But there were a few times when shit happened in her sleep. And no, those times I did not bang her in her sleep. After that one time, it just didn't feel right since it was something she had no control over. Really? It took you after that first time. So instead, I would wake her up. That's what you should have done the first time. Jesus Christ. Anyways, just wanted to send you this email so you didn't think the sleep sex guy was a total psycho. Go fuck yourself. I downloaded your latest special and loved it. Catch you later. Well, thank you for downloading this special. Uh, As far as your uh, chivalrous acts after you fucking went anal on that girl. I don't know about that, man. Wow. Well, there you go, people. That was worth the price of admission, huh? I still don't believe it. Sex omnia. At the very least, it's not common. I, I, w- I would have heard something about it. Okay, I'm down. Like, I'm acting like I'm a doctor right now. I, I am down. I, I am in the medical field. I'm up to my knees in it. I would have heard something. I would have heard some sort of study, but I, I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it, okay? All right. Let's do some final advertising here for the week, and then we're going to fucking end it. Mercifully end this podcast. A um, couple of quickies here. Um, Amazon.com. Holiday shopping is starting up, so be sure to visit Amaz- our Amazon banner on the podcast page at BillBird.com. It's a huge help as Amazon will kick back a percentage of your uh, your spend percentage of what you spend if you go through my banner first it helps support the podcast as well as the wounded warrior project um i love the last bullet point is thank you gamefly.com everybody hey do you want to play 8,000 video games of course you do um click on the uh, gamefly banner for free two disc two week free trial 37 people did that last month so thank you for that and hopefully you enjoyed the service uh, you want your free two-week trial? Go to www.gamefly.com slash burr or the banner ad on my podcast page for your free trial and enjoy all the video games you can play. Um, and that is it, ladies and gentlemen. That right there is the podcast for this week. Um, so let me recap what I'm hyping this week. Uh, I have a book come out, coming out tomorrow called, called Cheat, the, the Man's Guide to uh, Infidelity. And it's based on our short film called Cheat. If you buy the book, you get a link to the movie. You get to see the movie, and the whole thing will make sense. It's completely over the top. It's completely in your face. Uh, It's fucking hilarious. Um, I wrote it with Robert Kelly and Joe DeRosa, the teen idol sensation from the Opie and Anthony program. Um, You know, after all those years of sitting around, not doing shit, we actually made a movie and wrote a book. You may like it, you may not, but go fuck yourself. We at least completed the project. My special, You People Are All the Same, is available for download at billbird.com. Costs you five bucks. Um, you'll get a link to download the special. You have five days to download it. Five days. One, two, three, four, five. Five days. So, you know, if you're traveling, that gives you time to get home. We initially only had it up for 24 hours, not realizing that some people would buy it and then fly on a plane, do some bullshit. So my apologies for that inconvenience to other people. But in general, I think it worked worked really well. And it, I swear to God, man, I know I joke around and everything, but uh, that really means a lot to me that you guys supported my uh, my, uh, my special. And uh, I was glad I was able to give it to you for five bucks. 
it all fucking worked out for everybody. You know, you don't get fucked. I don't get fucked. It's all good. And thank you to Louis C.K. for coming up with that. Um, and also, if you want to buy a hard copy version of it, um, that'll be more like around Christmas time. And that'll also be available on BillBird.com. I'm just kind of getting the logistics of that down. And, um, and then, of course, I will be selling them at my shows coming up around the holidays. I'll uh, be giving you guys more information about that. Also, the new podcast, um, whatever you want to call it, network, uh, allthingscomedy.com. Check it out. Check out all the podcasts that are on there. Ari Shafir has a new CD out. Um, that guy really, I'm telling you, man, every time I see him, like, that guy's the next guy. He's, uh, it's, it's always great to see somebody, like, breaking out of the pack, and that guy's really turning the corner. And uh, I think he's on his way to doing something. So if he's performing in your area, <clears throat> go see him now so you can say, I saw him when, and check out his new uh, comedy CD. Also, uh, fuck, Tom Segura from Your Mom's your mom's House Podcast has a new CD out called uh, White Girls and Cornrows. You should check it out. The guy's absolutely hilarious. I did his podcast last week. He's also part of the network. And that's it. That's it for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Um, oh, and old Billy Twinkletoes. I'm going to be on Inside the NFL this week, if you can believe it. I have no idea what I'm going to do on it, um, other than feel not qualified, because everybody there has pretty much played the game or went to broadcasting school, and I'm just some obnoxious asshole comedian. But uh, they're going to have me on, and that's going to be on Showtime. I imagine that's going to be airing this weekend, maybe Friday, Saturday. Uh, I have no idea, but um, I'll definitely be putting out a, a Facebook and Twitter blast um that is it that's the podcast and thank you to everybody who came out to cincinnati all right i'm going on too long go fuck yourself